welcome back, guys. I'm sure everyone's coffee's been tasting extra lacquer this week. So, Ronnie, how about that win this weekend on the high felt, eh? Yeah, what a game to really be at. One of one of the one of one for the books, eh? One to yeah. tell stories of. Yeah, we always do better at altitude against the All Blacks. Be baiting me into this <laughs> right now, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I've got to, got to pull it out of you early. So no, as, as well, any, you know, anyone that said Nelspan was at altitude is a bloody moron. That's what we're basically <laughs> concluding here. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I had to pull that out of you. The game definitely was in the low felt. I know because it took us forever driving through that bloody gorge on Friday. But and you that, drove downhill. Exactly. We, we had to be sure, you know. Craig was in the car with me and he was he was checking out the window, making sure. He held uh, a, a spirit level and made sure you guys were going down, 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 down. Almost, exactly. you know, almost 1,200 meters. So I can tell everyone, Ronnie isn't always a moron. He was actually right. And this game was not at altitude. But what a lack of weekend down there. Hey? I mean, we got to the stadium quite early. We had a lack of breakfast at Mug and Bean. Actually, had a guy come up to us asking for directions to the stadium. He'd driven up from Neisner. People came from all over. Flip and well believe it. I mean, who drives up from... Oh, well, look, good on him for driving up from, from Neisner because it really was one of those world-class performances. Yeah, I don't think he regrets attending that game at all. Got to the stadium nice and early. I actually found my hiking boots in Nelspread as well. They had my size. Managed to get them there. We're doing the Otter Trail a little bit later this year. So I managed to get that. Trust that you'd find something like that in the low felt, eh? Yeah, well, it's a fantastic area. Lots of hiking trails as well. I hear there's a, a decent spa down there. Is that correct in, in Malulan? Yeah, it is actually one of the one of the top spas. Actually, I would say the country, but I realize that spa is actually in a number of other international countries. It's a great spa. It really, really, really is. It's got over 70 tills and it's fantastic, really. Yeah, it was a it was a good trip down there. We obviously watched the All Blacks uh, lose to lose to us at Ellis Park back in 2014. I think that's the last time we watched a home game that, you know, live, yourself and me. Uh, and Seb was at that game. And then it was just nice to go down to Nelspreet or Bombela and watch it happen again. And it wasn't it wasn't as close as it was back in Ellis Park uh, many years ago. It was just an absolute dominant performance by us. But I'm sure we'll chat about that. It was, but, you know, what was really nice for me was just to show you guys what, what a, a, a good-looking part of the country actually looked like. Yeah, I think I need to look into a transfer down to Nelspreet now, hey? But yeah, it was lacquer. The beer tent was buzzing. We got there at about 12. Everyone was piling in. They were having some lacquer beers. And it really was by three o'clock, that stadium must have had at least like 80% of the crowd there already. A nice cool winter's day as well, you know, like almost 30 something, 30 plus degrees Celsius. And uh, we were getting beaten down by the sun. Yeah, uh, you, you regretted your jeans choice, eh? Yes, I took my jeans. I carried my K-Way jacket around with me just in case it got cold because I forgot that there's no such thing as winter down in the low field, really. Talking about the heat, how crazy was it? Those girls walking around in like those leather pants, those tight leather pants. That must have been so unbearably hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some, and I think you posted it on the social media page, those people that were in costumes and whatnot. Uh, I think the only people that really knew how to dress for the occasion were those fuff speedos. Yeah, they were up for it. Hey, the right weather and the right attire to support the Boca. Absolutely. But I must say, so you and me didn't actually sit next to each other in the stadium. But in front of my eyes, I watched the soul leave a man's body as he waded his way through the crowd. You know, it was tight between the seats with everyone sitting down. He had his six beers in his hand, you know, the, the handles of each cup intertwined. And he reached out to his girlfriend, lovingly offering her a, a nice beverage. And she took the middle cup. 
spilling the rest oh, of them no. in the top. Oh you, no! You just you saw it in the poor man's face. Eh? He was oh. not having a good time. <laughs> oh man, that's so unfortunate, really, because it's a mission. It's a mission. You know, it's it's not as much of a mission as like you know going to Loftus and some of these older stadiums, but it's still a mission. Getting to your seat and having your beer spilled. That's just that's yeah. like. It's sad. Truly, truly tragic. And other people, again, even our mates spilling their beers because of that stupid magnet. We spoke about this after the Loftus test. It's not a smart system. I think that was uh, those those beers were reserved for for the lot of you sitting up at the top there because our beers did not have that. We had normal plastic cups, so I didn't mag- know what you guys were talking about. The magnets are for the plebs up at the top, eh? But yeah, Ronnie, as you mentioned, Box beating the All Blacks by 16 points, 26-10 victory in Mbombela. <laughs> And undefeated in Nelspruit. Yeah, it's only four tests though, but still, there's been some epic clashes over there. And yeah, look, it was it was what a what a great game, really. I I think everyone that well, most people that would listen to this podcast will have spent some time on social media reading the posts and the reviews and whatnot. And I think I think people are more are talking more about the dismal performance of the All Blacks than uh, the stellar, outstanding performance of of the Springboks, which is a little bit sad takes a bit away from from the Springboks uh, performance but yeah I mean I, I don't really know how I feel I'm a little bit sad that the that that we beat them so convincingly maybe that's just yeah well to to tell all the listeners on the bus on the way to the stadium dear old Ronnie's going yeah I can feel it the All Blacks are going to beat us and then we're going to beat them at Ellis Park so I'm not surprised that you're disappointed by the big score, Ronald. Comprehensive. I'm not going to rebut what you're saying now because I'm reserving that for the end. But, you know, anybody that wants to hear my opinion on what Nick's just said now, just you're going to unfortunately have to listen to the rest of this podcast and wait for my two cents. I can't wait to hear you try to explain this one away. But now, I mean, looking at the game, Ronnie, I'm actually quite interested to get your thoughts on Faf and Arendt, so two backline players getting injured and leaving the field sure. the risk that poses with the bomb squad i mean we only have to to back players on the bench when we deploy the bomb squad it came it came at a price this weekend it's not the first time that we've had a little bit of a close call as well i mean earlier this year we had performances as well where, where suddenly we had a backline injury and the sort of 6-2 split was called upon and we had to use our two split to cover one of the injuries and I think we got very lucky once again because just another if you know if Arnes had got hurt earlier in the game we were going to be in a bit of trouble there again um, and it's 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 risky sure we can't we can't normalize this I don't think I think it these it needs to be the exception rather than the norm to to have a 60 split I mean it is great it's dominant performances by our pack because we got an extra forward on on the bench but Really, we're going to get caught out. We're going to get caught out. And, and I don't want that to happen in, in a must-win game or something. And suddenly, 60 split, you know, we're putting Kwaka at wing or something like that, you know. Yeah, that's the last thing you want is to be forced into a situation like that. And we've come, like you said, this isn't the first time we've come very close. Look, Aronso was a red card as well. So it's not like we could out and out substitute him either. But... Yeah, the risks are there. It pays off when the pack comes on and, and dominates. But when there's an injury or two, and I mean an injury at 10 and then an injury in the back three would cause absolute havoc there. And like you say, Kwaka would end up on the wing, which is something you don't really want to see. Although you did see Kwaka kick, try a, try a crossfield kick to Mapimpi, which didn't quite pan out. But <laughs> Almost. He, 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 it, it looks like he does have something up his sleeve. Yeah, Kwaka's years been... of playing sevens. Quach has been watching Pablo Matera in the 
uh, Super Rugby final. And then, obviously, Fuff is out. He didn't pass the return to play protocols with his concussion this week. So he's out. Arons is also out, but he's out because of a ban. He got four weeks for that challenge on Bowden Barrett in the air. That was a really hectic situation. And you know what? The red card was deserved. It, it was deserved. It, it, it was. But, you know, there's nothing malicious in it. But I, I think the reality of how the referees make their decisions these days is it's not just about malicious intent. It is also about, you know, recklessness of it. And Bowden Barrett was also very lucky to, because I thought he'd be knocked out as well. It was good yeah, to see him get up so and, and walk off. But cheapest, that was, a, that was a hell of a fall. Yeah, no, that's true. And actually, I think we just need to mention the, the officiating teams here, the match officials. They did very well this weekend. They weren't overly reliant on the TMO. You know, they controlled yeah. the game well. Maybe we say that because the box won, but I do feel like they they asserted their stance on the game without pausing too much and referring to the TMO too much. So well done to them for that. Yeah, I know you're not a fan of Angus Gardner, but I felt he had a very good game. And and like you said, he didn't overly rely on the TMO. He was confident enough in making his calls. I think the TMO stepped in two occasions. One was uh, the Kirke Orenser uh, incident. Um, and, and there was another one that I think uh, Damien Delende was called for offside or, or approaching, attacking too early from the back of a scrum, where I believe it was the TMO that actually stepped in and called that one out. But Angus Gardner, I felt, was very confident in his decision-making, which was nice to see. And I know you and Shane and the, and, and the team are not overly impressed with old Mr. Gardner. And I've, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been cautiously happy with how Angus Gardner is as a referee for, for some time now. Yeah, he definitely had a good game this weekend, so I can't have any any issues with that. And then I'd actually just like to talk a bit about the box physicality and scrum dominance, but I think you can't go there without complimenting the ground staff from Mbombela because that field was immaculate. Yeah, Sue Deswat, you deserve a shout out. She's the grounds lady in charge there. And what a job that field held up perfectly. It was unreal. Yeah, she needs to be sent out to Cape Town really to have to fix that field there because, you know, rightfully said though, that field just held up fantastically and it was a, uh, it looked like AstroTurf when we got there and it looked like AstroTurf when we left. A pitch like that lends itself to good scrums. The players get good traction on the field and we got penalties for it. We were rewarded with our scrum performance this weekend. We should have got more though. Absolutely got more because New Zealand did not honor the breakfast rule, which was implemented this year. We definitely did. You know, if you go and watch the replays, if you go and watch the final whistle and all these various uh, rugby pundits that, that talk about it, you know, New Zealand didn't honor the breakfast rule. But I suppose it is new and the referees still need to wrap their minds around looking out for that. Well, the All Blacks weren't too happy. Ian Foster is definitely under a lot of pressure now. You know, people saying even if he wins this next test, he'll be let go. I actually thought back to Alistair Kutsia after we lost that game to New Zealand by a record margin. I'm not going to mention the score and the nonsense he spewed out. And Foster did the same thing. You know, he said, yeah, the line out worked well. Our mall defense was good and our overall defense was pretty solid. But the timing in terms of attack was a bit off. Probably our best performance of the year. How you can say that's your best performance when you did actually have a comprehensive victory over the Irish? Uh, I don't really know. And I think that irked the New Zealanders quite a bit. Firstly, I think it's difficult as any person who speaks to the media, because the media is always going to blow it a little bit out of proportion. I think what, what Ian Foster actually meant by that is the things that they were working on, things that they identified after the Irish series that they needed to work on, that they did well. So you're saying the there was that... progress. 
there was at least progress on that which they wanted to work on. The problem is that the things that they didn't identify that they wanted to work on didn't work out. And uh, the things that they didn't focus on before the game and in the lead up to the game, that didn't work out. They just were incredibly flat in their attack. Maybe that's credit to a very, very, very strong rush defense on the part of the box, just you know, nullifying that attack early yeah. and at the exact right places. And we got our timing spot on. I mean, Jacques Ninov is known for being a bit of a wizard when it comes to uh, defense. And I'm sure we can attribute a lot of that exceptional timing to, to some of his some of his uh, creativity and some of his strategic ideas because honestly one two pass that second pass we had a player on 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 them and uh, that's where we saw a lot of passes go astray assuming that they are going to be released or there is going to be a review after the South African set of fixtures do you think Foster and Kane should stay on or should they be released we spoke about this I think it was part of my <laughs> rent or two cents or whatever a couple of weeks ago but it's a difficult one because we're a year out from the world cup now and i know we did that with rassi when rassi had 18 months and we got lucky a little bit with rassi i think because a lot of the rules were also relaxed with respect to uh, players playing their trade abroad and whatnot but new zealand's in a bit of a difficult position here because continue with ian foster they could win they could lose something could happen something could not happen or they could, you know, switch to the likes of, you know, maybe bring Razor in or whoever else um, as a coach. And things could go from bad to worse, really, because, you know, you're introducing this new change of God, new rules, new strategies. And, you know, a year from a World Cup, it's just not enough time to really to really solidify a, a proper strategy and a strong, proper game plan. I think it's a very difficult one. I hear a word coming out is that Foster will be losing his job but he won't be replaced with Razor. They're looking at either a Joe Schmidt or a Warren Gatlin to take the reins until the World Cup. That would be a very interesting development, but we'll have to just watch. It's all speculation at this point, right? But I mean, it's it's my understanding that it's not just a case of of letting Ian Foster go, but also a case of paying him and paying him out of his contract. So yeah, whichever way it goes for Ian Foster, he's still going to get money in the bank. And then taking a hop over to the later game on Saturday, the Wallabies beating Los Pumas 41-26. That was a bit of a tit-for-tat game until the Wallabies ran away with it at the end. And I think, you know, a victory like that often comes from the effort of the loose forwards. And I thought Fraser McWright and Rob Valentini were phenomenal in the breakdown. Especially McWright, really. I mean, he played in the Australia A A games and he performed really well. I think he's been rewarded um, you know, with the late withdrawal of, of, of Michael Hooper and then McRight being introduced, he was he, he performed exceptionally well. And I believe, you know, he scored a try as well. So, you know, that was fantastic to see. Very dominant from him. Yeah, I thought. And, uh, and I mean, they really did keep Australia in the game. And then they managed to generate some good momentum in the last 20 minutes or so to allow them to get on the board. But sad to see Quade Cooper going off the field. He's ruptured his Achilles. So he'll be out for a long time. Reese Hodge did step up at 10, though, and managed to guide the Wallabies home. So that was good for them. Nick Sanchez also out, eh? And Batista Del Guy called back for Los Pumas, though. Yeah, look, I, I think Quade Cooper is, is, for me, a serious loss. I actually enjoy Quade Cooper now. I know I didn't like him for many years, but I like him now because he's part of that, that old-school clan. You know, he's one of the bullies. He's one of the old sea dogs, really. Yeah, I enjoy watching him play. He's quite arrogant. And I enjoy. Sometimes I enjoy a bit of that. And uh, it's very sad to see him out because he's, he brings some, some 
some flashiness to the game. Yeah, I think everyone's very keen on Cooper after his return to the Wallabies last year. And he orchestrated victories against us. So maybe we're lucky that he's not there anymore. But yeah, they'll also be doing battle again this coming weekend. I think let's maybe just take a quick look at the Bok team to face New Zealand. So front row, Oxen Chair gets a return at Loosehead. Bongi's back in the starting side and Franz Malhober earning his 50th this weekend. Yeah, I think we, we said it last week. We said it the week before. It's the same bloody team, you know. We've got such depth, really. Whoever you choose there is fantastic. I was I was, I was listening to some of the pundits talk about who should really start Bongi or Marx. What a great situation to really be in because you could really start both. My opinion of the matter, Marx on the bench is is, is always a it's a... It's an ace up your sleeve, really. Um, yeah. And we could go into more depth about that, but uh, maybe that's not a discussion for today. And then at lock, it remains the same. Irban and doing Lurt doing duty there. Sia Khaleesi at flank, Peter Steff. Dwayne Vermeulen comes into the starting side, Jasper Visa on the bench. Jasper Visa, you know, it's, it's good. We're doing a little bit of rotation. We're bringing uh, old Dwayne back. That's great to see. But Jasper Visa, I just need to commend his uh, his defense on the weekend because he made two try-saving ankle taps, one on Caleb Clark and one on uh, Will Jordan, which in my mind, one-on-one with both of those players could have very easily been uh, a try for each of those. And that's a 14 14 point swing we could have beat one that came by two points and then people would not have been saying what they're saying about the all backs now but i think jasper visa made two genuine try saving ankle taps in that game so you know what great performance still but uh good to see Dwayne back i think it's less about Dwayne being on the bench and stuff like most coaches would do russie and jock i think put a player coming in in the starting lineup let him empty his tank and then they've at least got someone they know that's primed and ready coming off the bench rather than you bring Dwayne on in the 60th minute something happens and you have no replacement so I think a, a smart move there Hendrickson now stays at nine after coming on in the first minute for Fuff Pollard at 10 no changes in the centers Dialende and Amma still there and then the wings Mapimpi, Creel and Phillips at the back Creel coming in now for Kirtley Arnser, who's been banned. What do you think of that? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Creel really on wing. I don't find him to be a, a natural wing, but I think this is a case of what we saw in the World Cup with Spoon Corsi playing on wing when when Chesin was almost ready, match fit to go, and Rossi was considering putting him there. And then and then Zondile Stick actually said, "You're going to lose the team if you if you break protocol and play Cheslin." Because even though he's running fantastically, you've got to stick. Those players that you've entrusted to be on the bench, to be your support, need to have their game time and they need to be relied upon when when the time comes. So that's what we're seeing here. I think, you know, Jesse's been part and parcel of the the greater team for some time now. He knows what's what's expected of him. And uh, it's a safe... It's a safe bet. It's a safe pick for, for him to, to to step up into that wing position. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Kanan Moody from the Blue Bulls, the young 19-year-old winger, called up to the Springbok squad this week as cover for wing. I was very surprised that Fussy didn't get a, a call up. Yeah, I also heard about Moody coming in because would that not make him the youngest Springbok then if he was to don the, the jersey? Yeah, if he, he, if he was to make him. Take, take the record away from front stain. But yes, you're right with Fussy, but maybe Fussy's not a right wing. Maybe maybe Jesse's awesome. just, a, you know, he's been there, he's been practicing and running at right wing a little bit more often, and they're going with what they know rather than uh, being a little bit too ambitious. I have a different observation about who we've been playing at 14. I've Great noticed time. that we tend to select a 14 that can also play fullback. All of them. Cheslin Colby, Jesse Creel's also been a 15. Kirkley Aronsa is a 15. 
And Kanan Moody also plays fifth. Um, what about Spoon Corsi back in the back when he was playing? Spoon Corsi is the exception. Okay, okay. So you think that our right wing tends to be a player that can cover in you know a little bit deeper in the field in in a traditional fullback position. So what does that say about how our backline is set up and and I think that you know, might, where we apply pressure on the field. I think that might be the license for Mapimpi to roam the field a little bit more. If you've got two very well or two positionally astute players in your back three, then Mapimpi can roam a little bit. Because Mapimpi did make a tackle, which was just right off center. If you, you know, and he's left wing. So he came to the middle of the field and he made a tackle just right off center. And I, I called it in the game. I said, Mapimpi's off his wing. And then we know that they our wings tend to cut in and try to cut off that outside pass. But I called her, I was like, my pimpy's off his wing, my pimpy's off his wing. And I just saw him, you know, track back and run cross field to the left wing and cover again. But but maybe you're right. Maybe that does free him up a little bit more to, to get a little bit more physical on defense. Yeah. So, well, that's at least my observation, my humble opinion. And then quickly yeah, no, take... you're a prop. So what do you know? <laughs> I'm a hooker. Don't dare call me a prop. Then the men's world rankings. This is something else. New Zealand are in fifth place for the first time in their history losing out to England and Australia's right on their heels in sixth day. If the Aussies beat them, New Zealand will go down to sixth place. Really? So the Aussies need a convincing window for that to happen, I'm sure. That's correct, but it's possible. If we beat uh, New Zealand this coming weekend in Ellis Park or Emirates Airlines Park, we're going, we're going up to second. We don't have, there's no margin. As long as we beat New Zealand, we go up to second. Yeah, so we'll take France, who are currently in second. And then, yeah, rounding that off, Scotland 7th, Wales 8th, Argentina 9th, Japan 10th. And then just the other log, the rugby championship, currently Australia sits in first place with five points after their bonus point victory at the weekend. Springboks in second on fourth, on four points, sorry. Argentina in third place and New Zealand are bottom of the rugby championship. Yeah, but it's one round in. It's one round in. It's the same with the Super Brew. We'll talk about Super Brew in a moment, but it's one round in. Right, then uh, the most important bit of this podcast really is the Super Brew update. Uh, but it's a little bit less important this week. And Why? Because I'm beating you. <laughs> yes. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll start, as I always do, in uh, in third place. There's no third place this week, really. We've got uh, two that are tied for second, and, and, and that's right across all of them. Win points, margin points, bonus points, as well as the total differential margin. So... Um, in uh, in second place, we have Adrian, uh, Adrian Stain from uh, he supports New Zealand and he lives in Ghana. So South African name, supports New Zealand, lives in Ghana. In the other second place, we have got Top Notch Rugby, um, aka Jaden Blom, South Africa. Uh, he's also on three point two five points. And then first point in first place, we've got Liam. AKA Liam Kotzer. So he's so not our Liam. No, not our Liam. Different Liam. And this Liam is on 3.5 points. So well done to you guys. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. We've got nothing more to say about uh, who's winning between <laughs> Nick and Ronnie. Um, For those of you but... that couldn't hear through Dieter's coughs, I'm definitely. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we'll 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 just leave it at that. Nothing more to say to that. Are these guys uh, are these guys winning anything, Nick? Is that what's happening here? Yeah, the winner of this pool is going to get themselves a rugby ball light. So right now, Liam, you're getting the yellow cap and a rugby ball light, unless these guys can catch up to you. Yeah, keep at it, boys. I'm coming for you. Ronnie's way too far down the log, but I'm coming for that first place. I want one of these lights too. 
it's only one weekend. It's only one. It's only two games that took place. It's first round. There's still you know far more rounds to, to go. So you know things will change. Yeah, if that makes you feel better, Ronnie, then I'll have to give it to you. Yeah, looking at this weekend's fixtures, are we going to do a couple of picks? I see. I also had about seventy percent of seventy-seven percent of the backing on our picks last week, so I'm very chuffed. I outdid you there. What are your no, somehow you're obviously very good at social media and managed to get all your fake accounts to go and, uh-huh. and support you, but okay, you know, it's just one. What were what were we off by? Did I say uh, what what did I get differently? Did I say Argentina? Yeah, you said Argentina, you said always back the home side, and then you went box by three, so you were just need to clarify. I don't always say always back the home side, I say when in doubt. But you're in always, doubt. When there's any sort of question about it, then you back the home side. You're always in doubt, though, Ronnie. <laughs> so, but do you want to carry on and do these picks now, so that I can at least pick better? You're going to go first this this week, so let's go with that. All right. Well, the first fixture of the week: Box versus All Blacks, Ellis Park. This one is at altitude. I'm going to go box by eight. So box by eight. What did you say for box last week? If I was? Box by five. Box by five. So we're going by altitude. We're getting an extra three points added exactly. to the score. Uh, and we wallop them by 16. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you there, but since I can't pick eight now, I'm going to say uh, South Africa by seven. And then the second game of the weekend, Australia versus Argentina. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're going first now. I'm going Oz by 11. Oz by the 11. team. Uh, no, I'm going to also back. I'm going to back Australia by. And I can't go ten now because that's just that's some sort of uh, a theme. Then, so I'm going to say Australia by seven. Well, we'll have to see, Ronnie, who of us go that way and who's right. I'm pretty sure it's going to be me. But yeah, we're heading to Ellis Park this weekend. We're lucky keen to join everybody there. I think we've decided on the car train as our transport option. The buses take a little bit long, so hopefully the train gets us out of there and back to Pretoria for the rest of the festivities quite quite timely. Stadium sold out on Saturday, hey, Ronnie? Yeah, just to add about the whole car train option, I think we've been on enough buses from Pretoria to Ellis Park um, before to know that it's really difficult when you would like to, uh, when your blood is full of, of, of water. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the train at least gives you a bathroom break, uh, uh, when you get off the bus and, uh, at, at the station so just that's my two cents i suppose with respect to transport mode yeah well this will be our first time making the use of a car train to go to ellis park so i'm very keen to see it ellis park you have your work cut out for you to topple cape town and Mbombela as host stadiums so very keen for that one this weekend i think the anthem's going to be electric again but on that note ronnie it's time for two cents are you ranting or are you raving this week I don't really know. I just, uh, you, you know, we spoke about earlier in, the, in, in uh, earlier in this this show that there's a lot of negativity with respect to New Zealand's rugby, more so than the positivity about the Springbok rugby. But with all that said, and and, and the reason why I said I thought New Zealand were going to beat us in, in Bombella and we were going to then pip them in, in in Ellis Park was, it's the All Blacks. It's the All Blacks. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We need to remain cautiously uh, cautiously confident, right? We can't become arrogant. You know, this is New Zealand's darkest day and they lost to Springboks, the, the world champs, by 16 points. Uh, that's it. 
we've seen some really dark days as as Springbok fans. We've, you know, you didn't want to allude to, you didn't want to mention what we lost by that margin under the Alistair Kutsia and, 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 and another game before that one. We've been wallops before and we've lost to Italy and we've also lost to Japan. If you put it into perspective, New Zealand's loss to us this weekend isn't as bad. So they maybe shouldn't be throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And um, we should all just be a little bit more humble, I suppose. New Zealand can still hit back. We just had their number this past weekend. They just had uh, no answers for our rush defense. And I can guarantee you that that trip from Mbobela up to Johannesburg after the weekend's game, Ian Foster and his team were definitely strategizing how were they going to fix that. And I'm, and I'm pretty damn sure that today that's what they were focusing on at, at, their, at their practices. How are they going to, to beat us? But you know what? With all that said, uh, and with all the other teams that are now ranked higher than New Zealand on the log um, or in the rankings, rugby's become a little bit more competitive. More teams can beat more teams on, on any given day. And that's actually really good to see. There's no more powerhouses of the Southern Hemisphere that win every bloody game out there. We we sort of share the spoils, except when it comes to World Cup, because when it comes to the World Cup, we're still, you know, top dogs, Southern Hemisphere for life. And um, I hope that's, that continues. But but it is actually good to see a little bit more competitiveness uh, across the board from a lot more teams, from France, from Ireland, from Wales, from, you know, the Springboks beating New Zealand. And it's it's good it's good for the game. Yeah, like you say, the, the playing field is pretty even at the moment. And it is setting up incredible fixtures between the box and Ireland and the box and France in November. So definitely looking forward to that. Time for Saturday now, hey, Ronald. So... It's a little bit different again today. I'm going to give us some stats about the upcoming fixture with New Zealand. We've made five changes to the Springbok team. As we mentioned, it's Franz Malherbe's 50th. And it's 103rd test that we're playing against the All Blacks now. Pollard, in 13 tests against the All Blacks, has scored 136 points. He's only bested by Mornay Stain, who scored 139 in 13 tests. So three points more, and Pollard will level out with Mornay. More than that, and he'll take top point scorer against the All Blacks in history. First ever test between the All Blacks and the Springboks at Ellis Park was on the 21st of July, 1928. The All Blacks won that one 7-6. 14 tests in total have been played at Ellis Park, with the Bucks winning nine of those. And the average score between the two sides at Ellis Park is 23-21 to the Springboks. So only a two-point margin there. And then, yeah, the Bok team for this weekend, 715 starts or caps in the starting lineup. Um, that's 36 average amongst the backs, 57 average caps amongst the forwards, and 41 caps on the bench average. So that's a vastly experienced team, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you just find off some, some credible facts there. Uh, it's it's going to be a great, great game. There's going to be a lot of experience. And, and interestingly, I didn't know that it was uh, Francois Hebe's 50th coming up now. So we really are lining them up for 50 caps one after the other after the other now so we just had Bongi then we had Marks then Malherba we've had Itzabeth all this year so that's really really good and the team is gathering some nice experience that's a lot of depth too for sure but that's all from us this week guys we'll check you at Ellis Park we're keen to get some celebrations underway there (laughs) 